So I was flogging the bishop, you know, shaking hands with the sheriff. Yeah. And I was going through this really crazy train of imagination. Uh, mm -hmm. And I finished. And I actually was shocked at where my mind went. Like how truly dark it got. <laughs> uh, doesn't normally happen to me. But it, it, it was so bad that it actually made me pause. Like there's something <laughs> fundamentally wrong with me. If that's where my mind is going, does that ever happen to you? Uh, not usually. <laughs> um, not usually. I, I kind of know how how messed up I am and and where my mind's gonna go. Right. But you finished anyway, right? Of course, I'm not a monster. But, oh, okay. <laughs> I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. Today, I'm being joined by Wes Vanderpool. How you doing, man? Good. How are you, sir? Stoked. I am stoked to see you. It's been too uh, long. Way too long. Yeah. You know, it, it forever in a day and then a month. I, I mean, it's horrible. It's true. All right. Well, everyone, it is July 12th, and as of today, we've got 12,881,745 worldwide cases of COVID-19. With 568,464 deaths. And we got a great show for you this week. In The Devil's Advocate, we're going to be asking, what is the meaning of life? And guess what? I've got an answer. In The Infernal Informant, historic corruption. Two Republican senators denounce Trump's commution, commu commutation, co commutation of stone. <laughs> Can't speak. That was weird. Uh, Missouri couples gun rights defended in letter to A.G. Barr from 12 GOP lawmakers. And in the creature feature, I was just watching a little bit. This is just now Down to Earth with Zac Efron. We're going to talk a little bit about that new Netflix series. But before we nice. get into it, Sean, good to see you in the chat. William, what's up, man? Vasuri, how you doing? Going to see you a little bit later, as I will with Kate. I just said Vasuri, and my phone thought I said Siri. And so it started recording my conversation. Sweet. That's weird. Did you do that on purpose, man? All right. That's what I do. <laughs> so, I mean, how have you been? It's been so long. Is it, Are you oh. handling this resurgence of this virus well? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's quite the thing. I, I feel like I've donned uh, a serial killer look and, uh, you know, just... <laughs> Just preparing myself for uh, for the upcoming man camp. <laughs> this face will haunt your dreams, my friend. <laughs> it's going to be so much fun. Yeah. So uh, I've got four guys. Well, I'm the fourth guy. So four, like three guys with me coming to Colorado to see you to get in a yeah. raft and seven hours down right river rafting down river mm -hmm. and then we're going to um just party for two days in a uh, uh airbnb it's going to yeah. be <laughs> there's going to be some crazy things happening <laughs> we might start a new religion by the end of it 
You never know. It's going to be good. A good time. I can't wait. As long as we don't drown on the river, I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, Clinton, this is not a permanent change. I just have other things to do tonight, and so I had to move the show out uh, for the morning. That's that's why I shifted to the morning sometimes. It's because I have a life, and <laughs> I do the show around <laughs> my life. Sometimes my life starts early in the day. Sometimes it's later. So if you can't catch it live, I understand. That's okay. But for those of you who can, I appreciate it. Uh, just like uh, you, Dr. Cindy Ravenmoon, good to see you. Thanks for joining live. Uh, okay, so should we... Oh, no, you know what? Before we dive into the show, I want to talk about yesterday because I yeah. I went hiking um, and I was in the sun. It's, it's like record heat all over the <laughs> south, right? So it was just really, really hot. I And, and I, I got as close to heat exhaustion as I've ever oh, been. Oh, man. Um, and so... As soon as I got back down, I just had this flood of emotions. And I don't know if the emotional flood was finally being able to get out into the nature uh, yeah. after months of being cooped up in the house or um, if it was because of the heat exhaustion or whatever. But for whatever reason, I, I was an emotional mess yesterday. Have you ever had that happen to you? Like if you've yeah. been away from the... In, in, away from nature so long and you finally get into it and then you're just like oh my gosh yeah yeah i i do that uh usually every time i see you you know like uh because I, I don't get to go hike and and yeah. get out quite as much as i would like to here but mm -hmm. uh every time i come see you you're like oh i've got this great hike and i'm like yes <laughs> and then i see the hike and i'm like oh my god <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> Why did I, I say no? <laughs> this bastard! Oh yeah, man! Really? The uh, the last time I think we went hiking, yeah. uh, me, you, and Colin, <laughs> and uh, went to the top of the mountain, and uh, man, that that was really an emotional thing just to finally get to the top after tracking through all the hip deep <laughs> snow, and uh, that was a bitch. <laughs> it was awesome though. It was awesome. Oh man, I. I missed it so much, and I don't know if it's because I put so much emphasis on being in nature uh, that that you know absence of being exposed hit me so hard or what. But I loved it, and I, I've got to I've got to get back on a regular weekly schedule again because it's sure. it's too much being cooped up in a damn house. And you know, going for walks with the family and the dog and working in your yard that's nice, but it's not the same. You know, it's just no, no. you got to get out. Anyway, that's what I did. I was an emotional wreck, and it was a nightmare. <laughs> Nice to know nice. that I'm not the only one that that can happen to. <laughs> I, yesterday, I kind of had an emotional thing, too. I, I, we haven't, of course, been going out very much. And, you know, we've done some takeout uh, and whatnot, but uh, haven't done much eating out at all. So we, find, we went to dinner with our uh, friends, and we haven't seen them in, you know, six months and mm -hmm. went and had sushi. And, and I just, I love sushi and ate so much that I, I was having an emotional experience. Of, <laughs> You're stupid. Why did you eat so much? Suffering. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. But it, it was wonderful. It was a wonderful treat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's as good a place as any to jump into the meaning of life and the devil's advocate. So let's do that. Nice.
All right. I actually have an image just to sort of throw up for fun while we talk about the meaning of life. It's someone contemplating the meaning of life, <laughs> overlooking Earth. Um, okay, so this is something that I came from a religious background. Um, my parents are all Mormon, and so you know they indoctrinated me into it. And and what one thing that they say more than anything else is that the ultimate meaning of life is this idea of happiness, right? Finding this individual happiness. As a Satanist. Um, I want to make sure that it's very clear there is no cosmic plan for anything. And so when you think about life in and of itself and you try to ascribe meaning to it, that it has to be individual meaning because there is no God that created meaning or there is no uh, natural world that decided you should live. Hence, this is why you should live. So it, it's always got to be an individual interpretation. There's no plan. There's no God. So that's where this conversation is going to come from, a position of an individual Satanist and Satanists in this particular case. And we're just going to sort of talk about what we think are the most important meanings in life um, or why or, or, or why and what is it that people believe to be the meaning of life? And then ultimately, we'll give you our opinion on what we think it is. Um, but I was talking to my wife and I was watching um, some shows that inspired this thought. And then, you know, just my emotional state yesterday was thinking about this. And because I came from that background of individual happiness, um, I immediately jumped to, oh, well, the meaning of life for the individual is happiness. But that's the stupidest thing I ever, I, I could ever like land on because... That would then mean, in my mind, that the only thing that's important is happiness. And the truth is, the wide gamut of emotions, I think, are incredibly important. So sorrow and, and uh, loss and, and depression and like all of these experiences that seem to be negatives are part of what it means to be life. And so just to say happiness is the meaning of life is fucking infantile. It, it's... It's stupid. So I, I don't know. What do you think about that? The idea that happiness is the meaning of life? Well, yeah, I, I really happiness is a part of life. Mm -hmm. But if hopefully. you were, you know, <laughs> definitely, uh, hopefully in some way, somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, however, you, you got to experience, as you said, the full gamut of emotions. I mean, if uh, you didn't have sorrow, you didn't have anger. I uh, didn't have sadness, then happiness would no longer be anything yeah. worth achieving, you know. And you'd have nothing to measure it against. E exactly. Like, I'm happy. You... I know I'm happy because I'm not terribly sad, <laughs> you know. Because I have dopamine <laughs> right. flooding my system for whatever reason. That makes me happy. You know, that's where this happiness comes from. Yeah, without something to compare it against, it loses its inherent meaning. That's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta have uh, you gotta have the measures, and uh, you gotta experience all the emotions. That's what makes happiness such a uh, such a good thing. You know, yeah. it's good to be happy. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I'm gonna be happy Some, when sometimes. we're river rafting and hopefully not drowning. Hopefully not. I'll be happy hopefully. if we don't drown. <laughs> I, I'll be very happy if we don't drown. <laughs> I guess it won't matter once you're drowned. But the act of True. drowning, I will not be happy about. <laughs> no, no. I, I've almost experienced that, and that, that is not happy. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so what I, you know, if, if it can't solely be this 
childish concept of happiness, you know, like that is the only reason for life, then what else could it be? And I've spoken in the past about how I'm not one of those Satanists who just hates humanity or hates society um, because, I don't know, they're not Satanists or, you know, they don't like the brand of ice cream I like or whatever, you know, whatever stupid reason. <laughs> um, I actually celebrate and appreciate humanity as a whole. And that's a part of how I comprehend this idea of Satanism, this religion. Um, but that doesn't mean I love everyone because I, quite frankly, don't. I'm, I'm kind of indifferent yeah. to everyone. But individual human connection is really important to me. And so, you know, yeah. lying in the arms of your lover, um, that connection you have, that's the essence of life, right? I mean, we, we literally yeah. come out of our mother's womb or stomach, however it happens, um, and, or a stork drops you off. I'm still not sure how birthing happens <laughs> somehow. Um, there's birds and bees. I don't, I don't know. But uh, you're, you literally are coming out of the most intimate part of another human, you're immediately connected with humanity from birth. And that that's why, again, as a Satanist, I don't like this idea of just hiding in your basement, you know, dwelling, however nice it may be. You have to get the fuck out. You have to participate in life. I mean, Satanism yeah. is all about real world accomplishment. That means you have to engage in life. And so that idea of connection with humanity, that's incredibly Satanic to me. But more importantly, I started thinking that maybe that's the meaning of life is being able to connect with other people and being able to yeah. foster those healthy, reaffirming connections with other individuals because they're not always going to be good. But, right, right. So I don't know. What do you think about connection? I, I think connections, yeah, are part of it. But it's, uh, to me, the, the true meaning of life is the experience. Mm. Going out and experiencing life, experiencing the good and the bad, the frustration and the extreme bliss that you can gain. Uh, it, it's all necessary in order to kind of judge where you are and who you are. Yeah. And, you know, it's uh, but the experience in life and it, it's made up of connections. You know, mm. there's there's good and bad. I'm, I'm sure you, you work in a public place and I'm sure there's people you work with that you're like, not as excited to see them as as maybe there's others and uh yeah but you you need that experience if every relationship you had was just extremely blissful and all the connections were great then mm -hmm. I, I think you'd get bored with it you yeah. you wouldn't value those people as much and you're like oh i'm this way with everybody so what does it matter yeah i like that because it is an overarching take on the concept of meaning is just experience because yeah. it, it taps into a whole bunch of different aspects of what life brings you and how you engage with it. So I think mm -hmm. that's nice. Um, drowning is overrated. <laughs> mystery. Um, Kate has the same one as you. She says the meaning of life is to experience it as a human and all that implies. Yeah. Um, okay. So another one I started thinking about another meaning behind this life of ours um again individually not not this grand you know plan by some creator or something but it, right. it's the fact that we recognize that we are in fact animals um mm -hmm. and there's only one place in this universe that we know of that we can survive and so right. it's incredibly important as an animal to have somewhere to exist so that in my mind 
means that we have to be stewards of this planet. Like the meaning of life is to be able to make sure life exists. Humanity, yeah. I mean, this is going to dive into the next one I wanted to talk about a little bit, but because the essential part of life is that you have to be born, you have to have somewhere in order to be born, your environment, the planet in and of itself, the atmosphere, the, the region that you live in, you have to make sure it's, you know, healthy and exists for you. So the yeah. idea that we're actually, the meaning of life is being a steward of the planet is really sure. important in my mind. And, it is. and that's a little bit above and beyond the idea of just experiencing because, you know, you could just lay in bed and experience whatever life happens as it passes you by. Or, you know, there's, I, I often talk about this idea of people are born with innate capacities that they can sort of maybe never reach, but maybe push beyond a little bit, but everyone's got a cap, whatever that may be. Um, I don't think some people really care about the concept of experiencing life. I think some people just want to get to work, get home, watch a show or, you know, whatever it is like that is their life. They don't, they don't think beyond the, the bounds of this little sort of ant life business that they've got going on. Um, right. And again, that's totally anecdotal. I, I, I may be completely wrong, but just from what I see around me, I don't think everyone really dives into the concept of living and experience. And so I, I can't imagine that that would be the entirety of the sum of it, because if, if that's all you're doing, then you're not actually taking care of the world. You're just focusing on you and your own, which is fine. Mm -hmm. Certainly as a Satanist, I can understand part of that. But again, we also have to tie in that idea of total environment. And, and again, I've talked about this um, to exhaustion, but ha you know where that boundary of total environment for you as an individual Satanist lies and for me, it's definitely just this rock because this is it. This is all we got. So I, you know, got to do what yeah. I can in order to ensure it exists for others. So what do you think about that idea of just yeah. being a steward of the planet, um, not for some greater meaning, you know, yeah. like, you know for, for the sake of all frogs or whatever, but because this is all <laughs> you have as an individual. So why would you not take care of it? Well, yeah, I, I think that if you're not considering those things in your everyday life. Uh, at least, then you're you're going to miss out on the experiences that only this little chunk of rock that we float around in space is uh, the experiences that can give to you. And uh, as you have you know talked about previously, the experience of being on a hike in the mountains in nature, you know that is you and your little part of the planet at that time having a connection. Yeah. Having a connection and you're experiencing what it has to offer in in that moment. Uh, and it is something that you enjoy and you have people that you enjoy that provide some kind of satisfaction in your life. And you want to share that. Mm -hmm. You want to share that with people. And it only makes sense to do your part uh, to make sure that that is around for the people that you enjoy to see. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, then then we're all doing you know, not concerned about throwing their trash in every state park and, you know, the trash you leave behind that somebody else is not going to get to experience the same thing that you do because of the man-made stuff that lies in their way. Yeah. And if you multiply that by the millions who live here with us, you end up having, having quite a mess and, and 
end up not having the same experiences, the same connections, and you lose something in a sense. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, really, it comes down to if you don't take care of the planet, then the planet's not going to be able to take care of you. Hence, we go extinct. It's literally that simple. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. It really is. Um, and so I was, that was another aspect of the meaning of life that I, I, I jumped on. But then I started thinking, well, that's not, really not all. Because we've, we've manufactured this version of a world that humans interact in which is based on economy. It's based on money. It's based on debt. Um, and if that is what it means to be a human based on what we have evolved into, for better or worse, is economic success part of the meaning of life? I, I don't know. I, I'm struggling with it. To an extent, I, I think so. I mean, uh, I remember growing up in in East Kentucky and being very poor and but still being very happy. And mm -hmm. as a kid, not knowing the stresses of not having money or having uh, a lot of the creature comforts that the neighbors had. And to me, that was all I knew at the time mm -hmm. and was happy in it. So, you know, now added, you know, 20 years later, uh, being successful in, in the f industry that I'm in. And now I can afford to have more creature comforts as it were mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm still happy so money isn't everything if I was happy without it yeah it definitely helps it helps with not having maybe as much stress but there's still stress so yeah and the more money you have equals to more stress <laughs> so there's like really a sweet does. spot there there is there is you know I think the the key thing that you touched on there was uh debt Mm. Not not being in debt as much as possible, not owing money to somebody else. That that really equates to to freedom individually, and and can allow some of the stress not to be there, which can equal more happiness. Mm. Yeah, it's it's true because I, I'm really glad that I have you on to talk about this because um, when I was brainstorming this. I didn't know who, whether it was just going to be me or, or, you know, whatever, but I had the same experience where I came from a very poor environment. Um, mm -hmm. My mom remarried and things slowly and steadily, you know, we ended up making more money and moving up the economic ladder. And then the success that I've had in life, I think, I think it's just a tool in order yeah. to allow you to experience some sort of joy or fulfillment in life but it, I, I definitely don't think it can be in and of itself but it no. it can play a role and so that's why i wanted to include it here because i i know people who are just workaholics their entire life is their yeah. business whether it's booming or bust and they pour every ounce of themselves into that and i can't help but think that that's a waste of life but again that's how they're living it. And so are they just worker yeah. bees or is it that they genuinely find some sort of satisfaction and fulfillment in life by doing it? I don't know because it's out of, out of my realm of thinking, but yeah, maybe in some way they find, you know, what they do, uh, satisfies them in some way. Mm -hmm. Uh, and everybody has different things, you know, like, uh, one thing that I'm, I'm planning on doing, uh, at least sometime within between now and uh, my birthday next year is jump out of a plane. Ooh, really? And I've 
Yeah, I've I've always wanted to do that. Didn't get to do it in the military, and uh, so you know, I turned forty in January, and I, I plan on jumping out of a plane and uh, not having not having financial stability and having money to be able to do that, then I wouldn't get to experience that kind of thing. Yeah. So, so you're absolutely right. I mean, it is a tool, but I think some of us take it way too far and it becomes maybe our identity Mm -hmm. is being a workaholic or our career becomes an identity. And it's, uh, it's all about balance. You know, the doctor had it, had it correct of uh, indulgence and not obsessions and, Yeah. You know, it, it can be applied to everything in life. You know, you can, as as fun as I'm sure it would be for you, it, it's possible you could spend too much time outdoors mm-hmm. and not enough time doing other things. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, it, what I do professionally allows me to go out and, and just take weekends off and do whatever the fuck I want. You know, I mean, it, it's because I, of working hard that I can engage the way that I do in life and in the environment. Mm. So it's definitely a part of it. Yeah. Um, and the more I started thinking about this, uh, this, you know, this constructing this idea of the meaning of life, I kept going, winding back to the realities of nature, the realities of us as a species, because ultimately we're, we're like locusts. We're, we're consuming natural resources. We're killing the only thing that we can live on. And hence we're killing ourselves ultimately. Um, we're a virus and it's been shared in, in many science fiction novels and, um, philosophies, but outside of just us, we, we act like all these other species on this planet live in harmony with their environment, but that's not true because yes, there are some, but there are some species that decimate their uh, natural regions and they move outward and decimate other regions. Um, And so this idea of balance in life is also manufactured. And so if the idea of balance of of harmony is Mm -hmm. not real, then chaos reigns the day that the mad chaos of the universe, the mere randomness that we were even a species to begin with Mm -hmm. because there's no grand plan. It is an accident of the universe that we're even here to con- contemplate it. Sure. And so I can't help but think that maybe the meaning of life is pure random chaos and that oh, that's yeah. why it's left up to us to try to define. And if life itself is random chaos, evolution should be teaching us that, mm-hmm. then there can be no real meaning and it can only be how we interpret things for ourselves, which again is a very satanic perspective, I think. So I don't know. What do you think? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if, if you talk to any individual, regardless of uh, Satanist or not Satanist, they're going to have a different meaning to life for them. And it, it really is. It's, it's a chaotic environment. I mean, life itself is chaotic it, in a way it it's very traumatic the way that we're born, whether it's uh, naturally or or through being cut out or the stork dropping you through the chimney and and you know shit that's chaotic, man. And uh, but life is chaos, yeah. and it, you know even as children you have to deal with a certain amount of chaos, a certain amount of grief. Yeah. You have grandparents who are passing away, maybe even 
unfortunately friends who get sick or teachers who get sick and pass away and you have to deal with a certain amount of uh, trauma and and chaos in your life. Mm-hmm. But it truly is up to up to us as individuals to define what are what is meaning, what mm-hmm. you know, what is good, what is bad. And the things that I think Satanists hit on more than than other people is that they realize that there is a a balance factor that doing too much of something can can really be bad for you and yeah. and make your experience negative rather than positive and go, realizing i think a lot of satanists realize that there's more than just work then there's also more than just play there's more than just happiness there's more than just hatred and and it's all of these dichotomies between everything which ultimately leads back to the experience yeah and it, it it it's all part of it with with the chaos of Earth. Now, Elon Musk may end up changing uh, how we think of our ultimate extinction here on this planet. Yeah, because that man is trying uh, his damnedest to get us off of it. I believe so. <laughs> he is. He really is, and he's pretty successful at everything else he's done. So I have no yeah. reason not to believe he's going to get to Mars someday. Yeah, I wouldn't <laughs> bet against him. I wouldn't bet against him. That guy. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a brilliant closing to the, the concept of the meaning of life. Um, so I, th- I think that's kind of where I'm lying. Like my, my if there was like a, a, an ending thesis statement, I mm-hmm. think it would be that there is not any meaning of life and that individually it is incumbent upon us in order to create it for ourselves and we cannot be solipsistic into thinking that anyone else is going to share those ideas. But that doesn't matter because ultimately it should be important to you, right? Exactly. So Exactly. Awesome. Well, that was a good conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. Let's uh, dive into the Infernal Informant then. Nice. Totally underrated film, Lord of Illusions, in my opinion. Yes, it is. All right. Um, I've got an image for this, too. We're going to be... Uh, we're going to be talking about some shit. I get, where's my images? Here we go. Mr. Peanut. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, oh, Mr. That, Peanut. It's <laughs> not Roger Stone at all. <laughs> Historic corruption. Two Republican senators denounced Trump's Commutation of stone. Um, This is Senator Mitt Romney. I'm going to throw him down so he's not overlaying on your face. Senator Mitt Romney and Pat Toomey condemned Donald Trump's decision to commute the prison sentence for his longtime confidant, Roger Stone, the first elected Republicans to denounce the president's Friday night move. Quote, unprecedented historic corruption. An American president commutes the sentence of a person convicted by a jury of lying to shield that very president, says Romney on Twitter on Saturday. Stone was convicted on seven felony charges brought by special counsel Robert Mueller, including obstruction, witness tampering, and making false statements. 
Toomey noted that the president, quote, clearly has the legal and constitutional authority to grant clemency for federal crimes, but said commuting Stone's sentence was a mistake due in part of the severity of the charges against him. Toomey also noted that Attorney General William Barr earlier this week called the prosecution of Stone righteous and said his prison sentence of three years was four months and four months was fair. Romney was the lone Republican to vote to convict Trump in his impeachment trial in the Senate and has openly criticized Trump in ways that his fellow Republicans have avoided. Toomey has occasionally broken with the president, in particular over trade policies. Barr expressed rare frustration with Trump, saying the president's public comments on Justice Department cases, including Stone's, were making his job more difficult. Senator Judiciary Chairman Lindsey Graham was supportive of the first of the Senate's commutation, in part because, it, quote, this was not a this was a nonviolent first time offense for Stone. Shortly after Romney and Toomey commented, Mueller himself spoke out in rare form, writing a Washington Post op ed in which he defended the investigation from Trump's frequent attacks and said Stone remains a convicted felon and rightly so, despite Trump's move. Quote, I feel compelled to respond both to broad claims that our investigation was illegitimate and our motives were improper and to specific claims that Roger Stone was a victim in our office. Mueller wrote, calling Stone a central figure into the investigation. When a subject lies to investigators, it strikes at the core of the government's efforts to find the truth and hold wrongdoers accountable. Mueller said of Stone making false statements to Congress. It may ultimately impede those efforts. So I wanted to bring this article not because anyone is surprised, <laughs> but the fact that there are Republicans looking at this saying, okay, well, you know, we have a rule of law. This is completely in bad taste and in bad form. The rest of the Republican Party is just turning a blind eye, allowing Trump to literally act as king. And yes, he does have the right to do this. Yeah. But should he? <laughs> like, that's the thing. He was convicted in a legal jury by peers of seven felonies. And the president's like, eh, fuck it. I don't care. He's my friend. He's my confidant. So he's going to be okay. That's yeah. what we're living in. This is literally yeah. how a dictatorship operates. Not it is eventually operates, not someday may be. This is exactly how a dictatorship exists. They, the dictator says, I don't like how the law works. I'm going to change it for my own personal benefit. That's exactly what he did right here. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, what, what, as you said, I mean, no one should be surprised. And I'm really surprised it took him this long. Yeah, I really am. I, because it, it, the way it was going, I thought for sure. I was like, okay, you know, Stone's going to end up going to prison. And uh, any dirt he has, if he spends one day in prison, he's going to be singing like a bird to <laughs> of what Trump has done. Yeah. If he knows anything. I mean, I, I'm assuming he does. But yeah. at this point, you know, it, it really is like a... Uh, <sighs> It's like a reality show. It's like a whole scripted thing that you can tell what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. And tune in you, next week. To do you see think if he that's why it. people aren't reacting so shocked? Why, yeah. why more Republicans aren't stepping up? Because they're like, look, we knew he was going to do this. This is who Trump is. Yeah, I, I think so. I think finally, after after four years, uh, almost four years, that people realize, no, actually, this is who this guy is. He tells you daily, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do. And he he does it for better or worse. 
And uh, it, it, it amazes me that, you know, there's still those those Republicans and may, and even some Democrats who come out and say, oh, he, he's not going to do that. And some Republicans who, you know, the whole idea that if Trump were to lose in November, that he wouldn't actually leave the White House and you have all the Republicans. Oh, he wouldn't do. That. He's of course he's going to. And it's like. <laughs> Willie? <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I really don't think so. I, I have heard um, that there's rumors that he has plans for a post-presidential TV series, like a reality mm -hmm. show. So maybe that is what he would be happy to do once it's over. But I don't know if he's going to wait for his second turn to be finished. But it just, what rule of law is left? Because here's the deal. This is the deal with power in government, right? Mm-hmm. Um, when government seizes power, they will never relinquish it. Never, never, never. No. So no. the, the, the abnormal behavior of, um, uh, president Obama signing so many executive orders in his administration became a normal behavior for Trump. Now that's how he runs the government. Ironically, he was condemning Obama for doing the exact same thing, but now that he's in power, that's a norm executive order every day, all day. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. exhaustively. And so if if there's no rule of law anymore, if you can just sign executive orders and do whatever you want, we don't have a president anymore. We literally have a king yeah. or a dictator. And for all of those Republicans who are so fervently grasping their constitutional pearls every single day, wrapping themselves in the American flag, do you not realize that without the constitution then we're going back to merry old england like a oh, king yeah. or worse north korea like <laughs> you you cannot have your constitution and a despot you get one yes, or the other true. yeah yeah well and it, it's so funny to hear their grandstanding and their their little you know tidbits for the news that they release yeah. and how quickly that they let all that go once they think about, oh, the money I'm going to get. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, mean, it, I mean, it's a career for them. That's that's their life. It is. It is. They they truly are more worried about their political career, their financial standing uh, within that political career than they are about doing what is right for this country. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really is part of the problem. And, and it's the same on both sides, Republican and Democrat. The Democrats show outrage and have news conferences and press conferences talking about how horrible Trump is and and yet they don't use any of their power to do anything. Yep. And you know, it's all all about the money for a politician. I I've been thinking about getting into politics myself, you know, I could really really <laughs> use pretty the penny. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, I I do I would like a new house. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Uh, I like what uh, Ruth says here. She says, if Stone starts feeling chatty, I'm pretty sure he's aware of his candidacy for an Epstein suicide. I don't think I ever talked about Jeff Jeffrey Epstein on this show, at least not in like a detailed form. Um, I don't think that was ever a suicide. And that's the point of the comment is yeah. that, yeah, if, if he goes to prison, he knows too much. He cannot. Oh, he, does. he cannot exist. And that goes to what you were saying earlier as well. Um Barr, uh, oh, so she also said that um, there is no rule of law now, thanks largely to Barr. So mm -hmm. Barr is literally just 
a running back for, or he's just a, a straight up blocker for uh, Trump, allowing him to bend or break laws. And and it's shocking that one, he was a retired um, individual until he was pulled out of retirement to become the AG and <laughs> were shocked or any, how could anyone possibly be shocked that of course yeah. he's, he's just uh, helping turn the U S government from a, a, um, a Republic into a monarchy. And it's just shocking that no one in office is doing anything to stop it because what do they think? Do they think that they're actually going to have a piece of some imaginary pie once we turn full dictatorship? That there's oh, yeah. going to now, uh, they're still going to be able to get the money that they're getting now from special interests? They're not going to. It's all going to go to the very top. Yep. Period. Like, they're so stupid. It, it drives me insane. Um, well, I, they, I, I feel like they are, they, they know what's going on. Yeah. And seems like it. And, you you've got to have the bad guy. It's you know it's an election year, and you really you got to have a bad guy somewhere. And if you can't use what's going on with the virus, then you use the riots. And then once the riots stop, then you go back to the virus. And and all the while, you know, the, what interests me the most is uh, the Epstein colleague that was recently arrested. Mm -hmm. uh, let's find out what they what she knows. The woman, yeah. Yeah, that that would be interesting. That yeah. would be interesting. Hopefully, she doesn't end up as a suicide as well. <laughs> oh, it's any day now. As it's an air quotes. Any day. <laughs> um, all right. So, I guess if if I could just make any appeal to anyone, please fucking vote. I don't care yes. how you vote, but just exercise your civic duty and fucking vote. The reason why this trash can on legs is in office is because so many people didn't. That's it. So, please, for fuck's sake, vote. <laughs> Ugh. All right. Um, next <laughs> article. Let me throw up uh, the image, and uh, I'll take it right back down after we see it. Because it's fun to see images. I, I hope you guys saw this I love story. images. Missouri couple's gun rights defended in letter to A.G. Barr from 12 GOP lawmakers. I'm mixed on this, and so I'm hoping that we can have a very good conversation about it. Yeah. This is from Fox News. Um, Twelve Republican members of Congress have written to the U.S. Attorney General William Barr, arguing in defense of the Second Amendment rights of a Missouri couple whose rifle and handgun, handgun are now in the possession of local authorities. Mark and Patricia McCloskey, who made national headlines in late June when they took up arms to defend their home from protesters who stormed into their gated St. Louis neighborhood, had their rifle seized Friday when local police executed a search warrant. Then on Saturday, a lawyer who represented the couple until recently surrounded, um, I'm sorry, surrendered to police a handgun that Patricia McCloskey held during the June incident, Fox News uh, 2 of St. Louis reported. Quote, it was my duty and obligation to make sure the evidence was preserved to maintain the integrity of the defense of Mr. and Mrs. McCloskey in the event, in what I believe the highly unlikely event of any charges being brought, Watkins said, according to KSDK-TV of St. Louis. Watkins said the gun was inoperable prior to the June incident, and Patricia McCloskey knew it was inoperable. But she, he said that there were some potential legal issues with the way Patricia McCloskey held her weapon versus the way Mark McCloskey held his, making the weapon's condition an issue. 
In a statement, June 29, Gardner wrote that protesters had First Amendment rights that needed to be protected from intimidation or threat of deadly force, and said any such behavior would not be tolerated. In their letter to Barr, dated Friday, the dozen Republican lawmakers claimed that any charges filed against the couple would have a chilling effect on an American populace whose rights to bear arms are guaranteed in the Second Amendment of the U.S. Constitution. Watkins said he no longer represented the McCloskeys because the decision to hold the couple's handgun in his office made him a potential witness in a court case involving the couple. The protesters claimed that marched... uh, The protests claimed they marched past the McCloskey's home on the way to a planned gathering outside the home of St. Louis Mayor Linda Crewson, um, which the footage actually supports. Um, Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a little bit about this idea that they could have their firearms confiscated over the threat towards protesters, the, the, the apparent threat towards protesters, right? And this is a, mm-hmm. a little two-sided here, because let's be honest, the reason yeah. why they pulled out their firearms is because they saw a mar- mob bust open their private gated community and start marching through it. Now, they were peaceful protesters. They didn't do anything, and ultimately they marched past their home. But right. I can imagine if you're a gun owner and you see a mob come marching in and you're hearing constantly in the news how there's these riots and damaging property, Mm -hmm. if you're just inundated with that message, well, yeah, you're going to grab your firearms legally, stand on your private property and protect your home. That is a legal act. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. So, so what do you think about this idea that they had their firearms confiscated because the argument is they were threatening the protesters during their protest. Well, I, I feel the same argument could be made against the protesters that these people, uh, with everything else that had been happening around the country with the protests and the eventual riots, is uh, maybe they felt threatened. And uh, the footage shows, you know, large mobs, a mob and these folks, you know, are outnumbered. It's not like they're trained uh, soldiers who are trained to handle themselves in situations like this. So I could see absolutely them feeling threatened. I mean, it's it's a total horseshit thing that they would have their weapons confiscated. The one piece of footage I did see that could be damning footage for the woman who had the handgun. She had her finger on the trigger and was pointing it at protesters. Yep. Now, that is a mistake. You, As a uh, gun owner myself and someone who's been trained in firearms, uh, you never point your weapon at uh, somebody unless you intend to fire. Yep. And, and you know that from, from the Army yourself. So, yep. I... Um, yeah, I, I, I feel like, you know, there's definitely a case that could be made, though, that they felt threatened, and what they did was completely legal. So I'm, I'm hoping that they don't face any kind of further jail time and that they do have their legally owned and purchased weapons returned to them. Right. It's, it's strange because whether or not you as a citizen know how to use and handle a firearm mm-hmm. doesn't matter because you can still own one. And that's why there's so many accidents, you know, right. accidental killings, home killings, um, with firearms, and that's what makes them genuinely dangerous, not just to the other public, but to the actual gun owner themselves, if they are ignorant. In this particular case, 
she was straight up fucking ignorant. And so I yeah. understand <laughs> her firearm being confiscated and sure. her possibly um, having some sort of legal action taken against her. I mm -hmm. don't necessarily understand why the rifle was taken. Now, I've been a proponent of the idea that we need to take all AR-15s and all semi-automatic rifles um, off public use. I, I just don't think any individual needs one. I understand that there are proponents who do believe that they should, and that's fine. That's your right to think that. I don't care. Um, mm -hmm. I personally don't. And so I, I'm not really like fervently, you know, pumping my fist saying, ah, he should keep his, his, his rifle. But it is sure. legal, and he does have it. He owns it. And so it is his. It should not have been taken. Um, right. And the fact that he's not continuously threatening people with it, he was just holding it in a position of rest as a show of violence, as a, a right. show of intimidation, ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, and it worked. Uh, or maybe it was the craziness of the, the woman, Patricia, who <laughs> was, doesn't even know how to... You can't fire a handgun like that and expect it to be accurate. Like, no. at all. And, of course, it's inoperable. And so maybe maybe that's why I'm just making excuses for her at this point. But she should face charges. They should both be forced to go to firearm training courses. Absolutely. Um, and I think it should be uh, mandatory for anyone. You go to a driver's license division to f operate a vehicle. Why not go to a firearm division to operate a firearm? Like, it makes perfect sense to me. There's too many stupid people out there. But that's not how it is right now. I was shocked that they literally confiscated both firearms um, and that they're both under suspicion when I just, it seems like a little bit of a stretch to say that the guy was overtly trying to stop the protest when the protest literally just walked by ultimately. So that's a little bit odd. Yeah. She definitely acted like an ass, showed her ass and she should face consequences for it. Um, Absolutely. Just to set an example, like we, there, there's too many assholes out there that just don't know. They're now vehicle drivers targeting protesters. Like this oh, is yeah. a common thing now. So we, we're just, we're excusing away bad behavior. We have to have examples set. There have to be consequences for bad examples in a society. And so I do think that she needs to face some sort of consequences, but I'll let the local jurisdiction come down <laughs> on what that would be. Um, how many yeah. people would need to shoot you to get you to change your mind? Uh, if one person got shot, I would change my mind. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, and it does that happen. Would... And that's why I don't think... Um, that's why mass shootings with uh, semi-automatic rifles and handguns, I think, are a problem. <laughs> because that's why I think they shouldn't exist. Because it's too easy to kill too many people. Um, I'm a huge proponent of protecting your home. I'm a huge proponent of hunting. And so I do think that rifles are important. Um, handguns are important, but yep. only for responsible owners. Period. End of story. Yep. She's not and a it, responsible owner. She should not be able to handle one. Absolutely. And it, it definitely should be further education courses on on how to use the weapon. And uh, I, I think a good argument could be made about uh, the mental capacity of people who own weapons. Mm-hmm. Uh, that they would need to be mentally coherent enough to understand how to use one and not to use one. Mm -hmm. And it, it would definitely change the narrative if, you know, the the man was pointing or even would have used his yeah. uh, rifle to shoot somebody. I mean, that would greatly change how I view this situation. 
even if he just discharged around in the ground or in the air, oh, yeah. I would have had a problem with it. But he didn't Absolutely. do any of that. And so for him, I'm giving him a pass. Like, <laughs> totally. aren't I? Aren't totally. I, but, I mean, what what is the difference if, uh, say, that the these folks, instead of going out and standing on their front lawn the way that they did, that they had their, their weapons in their hands in their house. Mm-hmm took up defensive positions just in case, then it would, no one would possibly know, you know, for one thing. Uh, But then it it would greatly change the narrative there if the protesters maybe wondered, try to get into their house or or something weird. I mean, it could have gone either way. I I think they could have definitely handled it different, but the way that the man handled it was okay. And I think if the woman would have just stood there with, the handgun just in her hand pointed to the ground, it, it would be no problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was, I was really surprised. Uh, so the uh, protesters claimed that they marched past the house uh, and they did. Mm-hmm. The other side of this is from the protesters perspective, right? Um, so if, if I, as an individual am moving on a protest and someone walks out of their home with firearms and points them at me, knowing that I'm not trying to get onto their property, I'm not trying right. to get into their house, yeah, that would be a, a show of threat. I would feel immediately threatened. I would feel my, my life is immediately in danger. And so from the protesters' perspective, I absolutely think that they were being intimidated and threatened, and hence oh, yeah. their uh, First Amendment rights are under jeopardy. Sure. It just it is. You can't you can't argue that someone pointing a firearm at you is is not threatening. Like, no. And you don't know if it's operable. You don't know if it's loaded. You don't know if she's trained with it or not. Right. And, and you don't right. know if she discharges around if he's not going to immediately follow with his semi-automatic AR-15. Like you just yep. you don't fucking know. And so you have to jump to conclusions when it's a life and death situation. You're in a fight or flight mode. You need to get the fuck out. So I, I watched the, yep. the video and I thought the protesters stood around too long arguing. Like, yeah. you see them pop out, I'm out. I'm popping smoke. I'm moving on. Hell yeah. <laughs> I will not yeah. be standing there and discussing anything with someone that's irrational enough to point a firearm at me when I'm no. in a peaceful protest. Um, so yeah, she definitely needs consequences for her actions. Absolutely. She was absolutely um, breaking the law in that regard. But that's why I think it's so important is that you can't, in a situation like this, just take one side or the other. You have to examine mm-hmm. the whole situation and put yourself, this perspective is important, people. Put yourself in the shoes of each of these groups and try to understand their motivations. Try to understand what they're thinking and understand yeah. the realities of human behavior. You know, fight or flight is a very basic reality for a lot of people. If someone has a handgun, if they're not pointing at me, but I feel like they will, then I'm going to try to take ownership of that handgun so that they can't <laughs> shoot me. It's that, I mean, that's just the reality of it. And, and the truth is, is whoever, the, the person holding the firearm is not always in control of it. You can literally put your hand on the barrel of a rifle and control where the end of it's pointed. Hence, you're no longer in danger. Now, yeah. that may escalate into some other issues, but <laughs> immediately it will take the, dam- the danger away from you. Um, and so th- that's what I'm saying is it, it's never black and white. You always have to examine and 
Can you imagine the police in this situation? How are they supposed to act? Like, of course right. they have to take away the firearms. What are they not? They're not going to enforce law and order. They're expecting one side to obey law, but not the other. Like they're yeah. literally caught between a, a rock and a hard place. Like, and again, I'm not getting into the point of the protest, which is against police brutality, but let's make some assumptions that they're trying to keep a peaceful community in this one particular instance. They have to do that. They have to oh, make yeah. sure that the location is safe and that the crazy people pointing firearms can't. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> take the fucking firearm away, honestly. Um, all right. So yeah. I, I wanted to make sure that we covered both sides of that so that, um, we're trying to find a third side perspective to this. <laughs> right. Imagine that. Um, let's do a little creature feature now. We're closing up the show. All right, let's talk about a series that I just discovered this weekend. Um, it's called Down to Earth with Zac Efron. Um, before I get into my commentary about it, let me first just say um, it is an American web documentary series. It was released on Netflix July 10th. 2020. It stars Zac Efron along with Darren Olean, and it revolves around Efron and his travels around the world, focusing on themes of travel, life experience, nature, green energy, and sustainable living practices, all of which I am personally interested in. And so that's why I started watching it. Um, the first two episodes uh, kind of sold me on it um, as like a valuable piece of content, which is why I wanted to bring it up here. Um, and it made me start thinking about a number of different points. Um, that I think are germane, not just to the theme of this show, um, but also to uh, us as individual Satanists. Um, but before I start getting into any of the real, you know, deeper conversation, I just have to say, I knew nothing about Zac Efron. I, I, I saw him in Neighbors, and I saw him as Ted Bundy. Like, that's my extent of knowing what his scope of work is as an actor and so i didn't really have any opinion on him now i think he's a massive douche <laughs> like, outside of his roles outside of his acting just watching him interact with other people he's a fucking douche and i know what he's trying to do he's try, you know and, and I, I encourage him to continue to try because i think it's worth the effort he's trying to open up his own mind and share messages that i think are valuable Sure. But he's a straight up douchebag. <laughs> like, <laughs> he, is, he is a dude bro to his core. <laughs> and I can't stand the dude bros. Oh my gosh. Okay, so that being said, the first episode um, was, and I'm not going to go episode by episode or anything, but the first episode, um, he travels to Iceland and they're all 100% sustainable energy for their entire economy, which I think is amazing and we should all be you know, working toward that. Um, but... It, it made me start thinking this this idea that we are sold as Americans, right? That this idea of American exceptionalism, that we are 
we're number one, we're the best, we, you know, we are what the rest of the world looks at as the example. I'm not sure that's ever been the case, but it's certainly never the case now. Like, it is definitely right. not the case. We are the worst country possible. And not just because of our behaviors as a nation, but individual Americans. You are fucking stupid. What is wrong with you? Okay, so let, that's out. Why, if, if we were truly exceptional, why would we not take these amazing ideas that other nations are proving as viable, like harnessing sustainable energy and running our entire economy off of it? It creates jobs. It saves the environment. It means that we can actually breathe and drink our water. Like, why, why do we not take these ideas that are just brilliant and clearly good ideas that actually work instead of continuing to dig up fossil fuels, poison our lands and our environments and our air? It doesn't make sense why we're not doing it. And it's not like these businesses are going to go away. They could convert to clean energy businesses. They don't have to stay in the fossil fuel business. And so this idea of American exceptionalism, yes, we would be if, if we fucking stole these amazing ideas. Provide healthcare yeah. for your fucking citizens so that they can be healthy as they're part of the economy. Engage in, in uh, sustainable energy so that you're not poisoning the land. So again, you have a healthy land, you have a healthy citizenship, you have a healthy economy. It, it seems so basic and simple. Why... And so, like, one of the messages in the, in the uh, first episode was, it's not, um, uh, it's not eco-thinking, it, it's not green movements, it's just common sense. It, and I never really thought of it, it sounds stupid to say out loud, but I never really thought of it as just common sense, but it, it really is. Why are sure. we poisoning ourselves and allowing it to happen? Be because people want, what? Like, what? They're going to make more money if they just convert to clean fucking energy. It doesn't make any sense. <laughs> oh, it's driving me crazy. Um, and I think, well, Ruth, I think you're right about it being short-sighted. Um, it is. It just drives me crazy. We're not thinking about the next generation as a species. And I guess that's fine on the individual level. But on the societal level, you have to be thinking about the next generation or else your society crumbles. Period. Yep. So drives me nuts <laughs> um yeah you're right a healthy populace is, is bad for big pharma un uh, unfortunately but there are ways that big pharma could work in favor of the people um i think in in better ways than they are right now uh if we're being honest um so that being said uh the earth is going to be here whether we're here or not right so this idea that we're trying to save the planet that's bullshit no one's going to save the planet the planet's going to exist, period. Our context of the planet is it being habitable. And so when we say save the planet, we're really saying we need to save the planet for us. Right. And then I start thinking about that. I'm thinking, is that worth it? When we clearly as a species do not think long term and do not care for the planet, why would we expect the planet to take care of us? exactly we're not taking care of it and we need it to live so maybe we should just go the way of the dodo as a species well i i feel like that's inevitable yeah. we for the bulk of uh society and and those that are in charge of the decisions 
that countries and whatnot go. Uh, most of them are too much a victim of the moment. They're worried about overhead and the pride. You know, mm -hmm. they can't they can't bring themselves to say, oh, country X has a great idea. We should adopt that. Well, that's not American. It has to come from <laughs> it's so so yeah. so maybe maybe to trick these fools into believing it, some somebody needs to go to them and be like, I've got a great idea. And mm -hmm. it's nothing like Greenland. And then they explain <laughs> it's the idea. Nothing like them. Yeah. And, and, and you explain it and put, you know, little American flags on it. And maybe that that changes their mind. And mm -hmm. but who who knows? But it is, it's it's people who are, are victim of the moment living in the current way things are done. And change is hard. Change mm -hmm. is scary. Yeah. They know that this works that makes them X amount of money. That, at least in their mind, isn't proven yet. So yeah. I um, go that way. I mean, not all of the episodes are as poignant as the first couple ones. Um, it's kind of hit and miss, but it all shares the same idea of exploring and questioning the way things are done and seeing examples of alternative ways of coexisting on this planet with the other species on the planet, including uh, flora and fauna. Um, I just think that's, that's interesting because that's, it seems there is no more satanic perspective. If you truly see yourself as an animal, no better or no worse than those who walk on all fours, right? Mm -hmm. Then why would you not want to take care of the place that you're living? So that you can have real world accomplishments. So that you can manipulate other people because they're there to exist, to, to manipulate. Like... It, it doesn't make sense how any Satanist would, and I understand that there are, which is why it blows my mind, but how any Satanist is not going to champion the idea. It's, it's so short-sighted. It's so ignorant yeah. to, to not want to actively change. It, again, it's stewardship, right? It, this is our total environment. In the yep. absolute sense of the phrase, <laughs> the total <laughs> environment is this rock that we are hurtling through space on. Why are you killing? <laughs> why are we not taking <laughs> care of it? Ah! So that's why I really appreciate this series. Um, I do have to say yeah. one, one final thing about this before they shut down the show. Can we just stop with the high fives already? I cannot, I can't take the high fives. I don't, I don't like watching them. They're always awkward because people <laughs> have already started like transitioning past the high five. But you watch these two hosts, uh, Darren especially, he's a huge <laughs> high five guy. And most people he tries to high five don't want to. They're just like, um, okay, here, let me shake your hand in a weird high five way. And so he ends up just holding their hand. What are you doing? Stop the fucking high fives, people. I, if you're not on a sport field, it is not appropriate to high five. It doesn't look good. It Shake a fucking hand. Fist bump. I don't know. Do the funky chicken with your elbow, but don't fucking high five anymore. It's over. All right? I'm calling it. It's dead. Stop. It's the worst. I hate. There's nothing worse than two dudes. Fucking just high five. Yeah. Uh. Get the fuck out of here. Fucking high five pieces of so, shit. So you mean high-fiving after sex is no longer acceptable, Adam? <laughs> that I may mean... be the only time it's okay. <laughs> Honey, that was awesome! <laughs> Good game. Good game. A little pat on the ass. And... Yeah, but even then, like, the pat on the ass is better than a high-five. 
I, I agree. Five's the worst. And then you see the fucking assholes that are just like, don't leave me hanging, bro. Don't leave me hanging, bro. Come on, bro. Don't leave me hanging. I yeah. want to kick him in the nuts. It drives me crazy. Because uh, then just, just to be a basic, respectful other human being, you're like, all right. A little bit of your soul oh, dies. No. Oh, no. The the last person, the, the last adult male that, that tried to high-five me, I just, I, I looked at him <laughs> like I wanted to rip their fucking throat out. Man. Uh that, that that was wonderful. That was wonderful. <laughs> I love what uh Vasiri put up in here. He said uh the quote is from Seinfeld. Slapping hands is the lowest form of male primitive <laughs> ritual. <laughs> yes. Really is, dude. Yes. It's the fucking worst. <laughs> um other than that, it's a great series. I suggest you should watch it. <laughs> I really do enjoy it though. I like I, I like the ideas of it. You know, my complaints aside, I just complain a lot. Um, but I'm almost through with it now, and we should just do it. So, you know, let's save our planet, for fuck's sake. Not for the planet's sake, because it doesn't care about us. I do, I, I imagine this, um, Ruth said in the comments a little bit earlier that the Earth would just shake us off. I love this idea of the Earth just, like, flipping its gravity switch. So mm -hmm. it just doesn't hold us here anymore. And we're just yeah. like, whoa, wait, oh, fuck, ah, is it? As it's hurtling millions of miles around the sun, we just leaves us there. We're just like, oh fuck. Well, I, think that's funny. Yeah. I mean, at least it, if if we had to go that way, at least we'd have a view. That's true. <laughs> the, the, the seconds as you are uh, choking in the vacuum of space and freezing, you yeah. watch the Earth hurtling away from you. That would be a sight, actually. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be like, boy, that's pretty. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, well, that's it, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for yelling in the mic. I know that bugs people. I, I, don't, I don't mean to. I just get I get excited about stuff. Um, thank you, Wes, for joining me. This has been a lot oh, of fun. Thanks for having me. It's always good to see you. And uh, remember what you said about the ass pats when man camp gets here. Yeah, I take it back. It's not okay. It is not, <laughs> never with the ass pat. Um, <laughs> all right. Thank you guys so much for joining live in the chat. I know I'm sort of bouncing around on time schedules and stuff, but if you can tune in, I really do appreciate it. And your commentary helps make this an exciting format so thank you for your uh your engagement and uh you know your, your attention uh if you want to support the show of course you can always subscribe to the youtube channel sign up to the email list and if you get this as an audio podcast give me a rating or review i would appreciate it and it will help the channel if you want to learn more about satanism or the church of satan uh let me say that again because i stumbled through that oddly if you want to learn more about satanism or the church of satan check out churchofsatan.com, read the standard Bible, read the standard scriptures, educate yourself. It's important. All right, everyone. Thank you so much. Have a fantastic rest of your weekend. And until next week, hail Satan. Hail Satan.